Welcome to Season 2 of Between Two Blue Devils. I'm Mark Horner, your host, and this is a podcast featuring teachers, administrators, alumni, and community members of the beautiful city of Talmadge, Ohio. This podcast is about stories, their stories, the stories of people who love kids, love their city, and love the pursuit of education. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're at it, feel free to share the podcast with a friend, tweet it out, post it on Facebook, snap it out, be sure to leave a review. And now without further ado, I bring you season two. Kick back, grab a cup of coffee from Crimson Cup, and enjoy getting to know some of the amazing people who love Talmadge and love our kids. Welcome back to another episode of Between Two Blue Devils. Uh, thanks for all the traction that the podcast has received recently. I know a lot of you have been listening, and we appreciate you uh, checking out all of the incredible people here at Talmadge High School and in the Talmadge community. Uh, please do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe and make sure you share the episode out. And if you can, get on whatever podcasting platform it is that you listen to and write a review because that's how we get this message out about how incredible the people of Talmadge are. And today I am very fortunate to have a very special guest, someone who our relationship goes way, way, way back, a lot further than most people know. Um, but I have a wonderful, oh, and a new hallway friend of mine, yes. by the way, since I'm over here, a new friend of mine, a new neighbor, a wonderful science teacher, the ever incredible Mrs. Amy Lewis. Morning. Clap. Yay. We are actually in front of a sort of a live audience. It is 8 o'clock in the morning, and they're sort of awake. They haven't had enough coffee yet. But uh, Mrs. Lewis, thanks for being a guest. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, you know what? I know that we've been talking for quite a while about getting you on here, and I'm glad that we could pull you away from your planning period to come share your wealth of knowledge and experience with our four <laughs> members of the audience and the rest who will be listening to this. So who is Amy Lewis? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Uh, tell us about your family, your husband, uh, your kids. Tell Who are you? Well, I um, am a mom of three. I have twin daughters that are 17. They are going to graduate in May, hopefully, if we ever get there. <laughs> um, we live in North Canton, so they go to Hoover High School. Um, my daughter Maya swims. She's a very competitive swimmer. So actually this weekend we're headed to Indiana. Uh, we're trying to do our last little college visit things. Um, and then Bria is a diver, and she's also going to be diving in college, but probably maybe like Division two or three. She's um, she likes to dive, but she's it's not her like ultimate passion. Um, Maya would die without swim, so um, she wants to go D one, and you know that's her thing. And then I have a son who will be thirteen next month, and um, he just finished a really rough football season, so they didn't win a game. Um, it was a little rough. He's um, he's he's not tiny, but hasn't hit his growth spurt yet like the other seventh graders, so he's a quarterback and got hit quite a bit. So. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of pain that comes with the uh, the position of being the quarterback. Yes, and that's his passion. Um, 
So we'll see. And what's your son's name? Mason. Mason. Yeah. All so right. Maya and Bria and Mason. Maya, Bria, and Mason. So you're on your way to Indiana, one of those states. Uh, you don't have to quarantine after you come back from Indiana. No, I checked. They... Indiana. It was on the list about a month or so ago, and we were like, oh, no. But no, it's off the list. Yeah, one of our previous guests, Mr. Gurgley, his son is in school there. And at the time that we had our recorded our podcast, he wanted to go watch Seth play baseball, but he couldn't because that, that state had been flagged. So it's nice to see that that's been lifted. So are you going to visit, well, which college are you going to visit? We are going to visit IUPUI. Okay. Indiana, Purdue, Indiana, no. One of those. Well, I yeah. know which one you... It, it's affiliated with Indiana, University of Indiana, University of Purdue, and it's in Indianapolis. That's the I at the end. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Indianapolis is, I mean, that's a, a great city to go that's to. What, we've, I've never been, but everybody says that it's awesome. So. Well, you have to certainly visit. They got a great mall. That's on, what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, we, would, we would be there for a lot of tournaments, uh, volleyball tournaments that my daughter would play in. We always enjoyed that trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's just a lot to do uh, in Indianapolis for sure. So yeah, swim. You, uh, both your daughters have really been involved in in swimming. I mean, how old were they when they started swimming? I think Maya was seven. Um, we were at a Y, and they they had taken swim lessons. Um, but my we went over there for like an open family swim, and Maya's doing laps. And the swim coach for the Y happened to be there and said, hey, do your girls swim on a team? And I'm like, no, they just like to swim. So he and it was like December. It was like already, you know, they've been practicing since September. Um, and uh, he said, would they like to join the team? So we asked them both. And Bria's like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and Maya's like, sure, I'll join. And she jumped in like that weekend and did a meet and found out that she's a great breaststroker. So okay. that's. That's her thing. That's her event then. That's her thing. Yeah. Okay. That, that's awesome. So I, I remember 17 years ago when your daughters were born because my daughter's 17 as well. And I remember thinking in the midst of my daughter <laughs> and her first year and all of the incredible adventures that you experience with an infant you know, exploding diapers, vomit, uh, late nights, sleep deprivation, all of those really exciting things that make you want to be a parent. You had it doubly worse. What was it like with twins? <laughs> um, it was uh, interesting, that's for sure. Um, we, I always read stuff that twins had this awesome bond, so we wanted to leave them in the same room together. Um, we ended up finding out that Maya was a very good sleeper and Bria just was not. Um, and so at about eight months, we split them okay. because Maya would sleep really, really well. And then Bria would wake up and cry or whatever, or nudge her. And then Maya would be up and then I had two babies up. So we split them into separate rooms. <laughs> <laughs> so we're kind of catching um, these uh, inferences that they have two very different personalities. Oh, yes. They are polar opposites. Polar, But are they like the twins who, like, a lot of times we have twins around here and it's just like they're joined at the hip. And they're always, do they pile yeah. around together? or? They do, yes. So they're fraternal. So they're just like sisters that were born at the same time. They're not, you know, they don't share the exact same DNA. Um, and one of them, Maya, is a very driven person. She's goal-oriented, and that's she almost has tunnel vision sometimes. 
Um, and then Bria is more carefree, laid back. She just wants to have fun. And I, I said if we could take both of those personalities from them and give a little bit of that one to the <laughs> other one, we'd probably be good. Because Maya sometimes forgets to have fun, and Bria sometimes forgets to be serious about things. So. So uh, out of curiosity, are their personalities kind of like, do they mirror their parents' personalities? Like, is there one that's more like you and then one that's more like Jeff or? Probably, I'd say Maya is more me, um, but I can have fun and relax way more than she does. Mm -hmm. um, and Bria probably is more like my husband. Um, he tends to be a little more fun, I mean, not fun, but like, you know, <laughs> like not as serious as that, you know, like I take care of everything, you know, that needs to be planned and all that kind of stuff at the house. He doesn't really know what is going on. Not in a bad way. He just knows that I'll take care of it. So he lets me do that. Well, and that's what we do. I mean, that's how I am with my wife. Yeah. I'm like, she's the detail oriented yes. one <clears throat> and I am not extremely detail oriented. So what I do is I just hey, you want that responsibility? I kind of deflect that responsibility at her. And then sometimes that gets me in trouble though. Yeah. You know, yeah. But uh, so I'm trying to be better at that. I'm trying to be a little, we were just talking about how I'm now using the list and I'm checking it twice and I'm going through <laughs> and gaining incredible satisfaction from writing things down and checking them off and trying to alleviate some of that stress. Um, but you know. Um, I think my husband does that at work. Um, that's kind of how he is at work because yeah. he'll tell me stories and I'm like, hmm, you're pretty, <laughs> you know, at work. But at home, he's kind of like, eh, you can just do it. Guys have that, you know, men have that you that unique ability to come home and like somebody described it perfectly, just kind of slip into their nothing box yes. and not allow anything to really even bother uh, yep, them. Yep, I believe that. And, and sit there like uh, the video, you know, and grab that remote and just brainlessly just keep flipping <laughs> through channels and tune everything else out. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a gift that we have as, as men. But um, so you, uh, you, how long have you been married? Um, it'll be 21 years in March. 21 years in March. Mm -hmm. And now, where did you meet Jeff? <laughs> Should I share this online? <laughs> <laughs> at a oh, bar. <laughs> at a bar? At a tavern. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually out with uh, Mrs. Craig, to be honest. Were you really? We were. We were in uh, downtown Akron. Okay. And she met her husband down there as well. On the same night? No. Uh, a couple um, months in between. <laughs> at the same bar? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Misty. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know who our next guest is going to be. <laughs> it's like chapter two, bar hopping at the University of Akron. So what was it, the vault? It was. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The vault is a, it's a class. It was a bar that was in downtown Akron when we were in college because we went to school together uh, and it was an old bank. Yes. So hence the vault. And it was, it really was a, the way it was laid out was super cool. It was. And when we would go there and I, you know, occasionally, occasionally. That was like two nights that I was there. Yeah. And uh, a week. <laughs> but then what we do, I always got a, I, I loved going into the, 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 the big, the vault itself and seeing mm -hmm. the big door and uh, it was, it was a cool place and it was, it was pretty happening when we were in school because it was it the was. new thing and they finally started developing a little bit of uh, downtown Akron and the, the Akron arrows were yes, the hot ticket. Came in, yep. So what, what brought you to the University of Akron? Well, where are you originally from and then what brought you to the University of Akron? I grew up in Canal Fulton. 
I went to Northwest High School. Um, I played volleyball and ran track in high school. Um, I just kind of jumped into volleyball my sophomore year. I'd never played before, so um, I pretty much just played front row because I didn't develop all those skills. I mean, I was a pretty good hitter, but um, it wasn't like I was going to go on and play. Um, but I was a pretty good runner. Um, but I also didn't want to run in college. I just wanted to go and focus on my degree and whatnot. And um, the coach from Akron came to a couple of my meets and was sitting in my living room and basically said, well, with your grades and a track college scholarship, um, you're not going to pay for school. And I'm like, <laughs> So my parents were like, you're running. <laughs> so that's how I ended up at Akron, and that's how I ended up running there. There you go. Now, you ran for the University of Akron. I did. You're a zip, like myself, yes. although I didn't run. I did a lot of running away from things <laughs> at the University of Akron, but I didn't run. Thought momentarily about running track, but then uh, – uh, changed my mind rather quickly, but what events did you run? I was a 400 runner. 400. Yeah. And that's where, um, that's kind of where we kind of connected a little bit because at the time I was dating a girl and she ran track for the University of Akron. So back then, and, and you guys lived together, didn't you? No, I no? didn't. So I was no. just at the meets that we, yes. that we met. Um, and, uh, and so I remember, I remember watching you run and, um, but we'll just skip right past all that. Okay. The University of Akron stuff. <laughs> that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. But uh, yeah, so that's awesome. So you ran the 400. What's your best time? I think it was about 58.1, maybe. Ooh. It was okay. I, I was one of those ones that after the four years and you're done and you're like, wow, I probably could have dedicated a little more time to track but I think part of it was when I went in I I didn't have the mindset that I wanted to run um, so I kind of phoned it in for a while and wasn't probably till like towards the middle to end of my junior year I was like oh yeah I probably should like really go after this and so my times did drop but I, I probably could have done a lot better but I did get mono my freshman year so I had a big stretch where I was not running at all so then I had to back after that so sure so when you talk to Maya and Brie about taking their athletic ambitions to the next level you spend a lot of time kind of reflecting and just saying hey here's where here's what it was like to be a division one athlete here's what it's like to travel yep. you talk a lot about those experiences absolutely um, because Maya is looking at only D1 um, and I talked to her about you know she wanted to swim in the Big Ten and her time is, so they have, um, at the conference meet, they have a, a, an A, a B, and a C heat. Um, the higher you are up in those at the conference, the more money you get. Mm -hmm. um, she was recruited by Purdue, and she, they went on, she went on an official visit before all COVID hit, um, and they wanted her to go there. But uh, they wanted her to go for a small amount of money because she would have been in the C final at the conference meet. Um, but the coach said, I know I can get you to swim faster and possibly even up in the top of the B and maybe, you know, into the A uh, final wow. heat. Um, but until you get there, that's where the good money is. And out-of-state yeah. tuition is insane. So I said, Maya, do you want to get to a point where you are just constantly trying to, you know, focus so much mm -hmm. on that aspect of it that, your degree is kind of 
secondary because of the traveling you will be traveling yeah. and you will be missing classes and things like that so she um, she's taking that into consideration so that's why we're looking um, she's also looking at University of North Carolina Wilmington okay it's 10 minutes from the beach so yeah of course, it's a lot warmer <laughs> yes it's a, that's a big draw for her um, and then she's also looking at Oakland in Michigan yeah um, and then Brie, on the other hand, wants something more laid back. You know, she would rather do a D2 or a D3 where the emphasis is more on your degree and they're not pushing, pushing, pushing mm -hmm. the athletics. Because um, she wants to be a nurse, and that's going to be really demanding oh, yeah. for her. Um, so, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, when they think about playing at the next level, it is a job. It is. You know, I mean, I remember when I started dating my wife and she was playing at Ak volleyball at Akron, I mean, I remember the blood, sweat, and tears. She would come home, and it was the grind. It, it is a grind, and it is your job. Just the other night, I was speaking to a former uh, student. Uh, she was picking her brother up at basketball practice, and she's playing at a small college, playing softball. And we were just talking about the grind now. And, you know, and then COVID adds a whole different dimension to that because as the athletes are being quarantined, then the other athletes have to pick up the slack. And so all of a sudden, and this is at a Division two or Tiffin is division. Is Tiffin Division three. two, three? I think three. Uh, division three college, and she's having to cover for all these other kids and their positions and and their responsibilities. And it's just it is a grind, and so you you really do have to have that that workman's mentality and understand that there's a lot of hours and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that go into prepping for the game. So, you know, let's kind of talk a little bit about you as the teacher. All right. So where where did you teach I mean have you been at Talmadge all your career where did I, you start off at how long have you been teaching uh, I've been teaching this is my 26th year and I've been here the whole time have you really yes I um, I did student teaching in Stowe okay um, at the middle school all right you remember who you student taught for her name was Irene Ingersoll okay and then I also had I'm also certified in English so they stuck me with a an English teacher that didn't really want a student teacher and slapped down the plans and said, here, this is what you oh, are going to do. You had one of those, huh? Mm, okay. So I just did what she did for about four weeks. Um, wow. But um, Irene gave me like full reign of her classroom. So it was really nice because she was um, an elementary certificate. So she wasn't really a science person per se. So a science person coming in, she was completely happy to have me. She's like, just take it, just do everything. You know? <laughs> um, but it was middle school, so it was a totally different animal yeah. than the high school kids. Um, but I did student teaching there, and then I had done some observations with Norma Hirschberger okay. here at Talmadge. Um, really liked it, enjoyed her. She's phenomenal. Um, yeah, she's a legend. Yeah, and then uh, I also did some observing up at Copley. Okay high school and I there's must be one other but it's been a while so I can't really remember um, and I took an extra semester to student teach so I was um, I student taught in, taught in the fall and then over Christmas break I was in with my advisor and um, maybe it wasn't Christmas break maybe it was January and um, I was talking with him about you know applying and all that kind of stuff and he had got a phone call and he said, excuse me, you know, I need to take this. I said, okay. So he's like, well, yeah, I have one sitting right here. Wow. And he hands me the phone and here it was the principal at the time, Jack McKee. 
um, from Talmadge High School. Yeah. And Norma had an emergency surgery, and they had had day-to-day -day subs for almost two weeks. And they're like, we need a science person in this building tomorrow. Wow. Um, and he's like, can you come over right now so we can chat? And I'm like, I'm in, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was winter time, so I had boots on. And, you know, he's like, I don't care. Just come over. He said, this isn't a formal thing. I just want to chat. So I came over, and um, whatever day it was, he said, show up tomorrow morning. And wow. So I showed up, and I think I subbed for her maybe two or three months until I think maybe April, middle of April towards. Okay. And then I just did day-to-day -day subbing um, until the end of the year. And then that first year I was part-time because they didn't really have a, mm -hmm. um, a need. And that was on the old schedule. That was a... The traditional. Seven, yeah, yeah, seven or eight periods or whatever. Yep. And then that next year after that we went to block and I was full-time. That's, that's amazing. So I, I did not realize that Jack McKee was the principal here at the high school. Then shortly after that, it he was, was moved. Oh yeah. Then he got moved to the middle school. Yes. So Russ Jones, at that time, Jack was the principal, and Russ Jones was the assistant. Okay. Um, and so I had a lot of interaction with Russ. He would come down and check on me and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of that um, subbing time, then that following year, he was the uh, he was the principal. Wow. And then Jeff Ferguson became our assistant. Yeah. So, and at that time, I was actually at, then when Jack was at the middle school. That's when I student taught at the middle school. Oh, okay. And then he's the principal that hired me. So gotcha. the guy who got you in here <laughs> got me in here yeah, as there well. You go. Yes. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Wow. I I didn't I forgot that Jack had been here. That is super cool. But isn't it interesting how fate kind of played a role here? Had you not been sitting in there with your Absolutely. your assigner, then you might not be here today no that's pretty interesting hey we're going to take a pause we have a message from one of our sponsors our only sponsor <laughs> anchor podcasts welcome back so uh mrs lewis let me ask you why did you become a teacher well all through high school i thought i wanted to be a lawyer or go in the fbi i thought that would be like one of the coolest things to do um and then I took sophomore biology, um, and I really um, loved my teacher. He was great. Um, I think about all the stuff that we do now in terms of like interactive things and you know trying to keep lecture days short to like 30 minutes or less. He lectured the whole entire block, and it was on like a chalkboard. And he'd start at one end, and he'd just be writing, and we'd go all the way to the end. And they say, all right, and he raced the whole thing and start over. I mean, oh, wow. like from bell to bell, he just lectured. But I guess when you're interested in the subject, you don't care. And it felt like every kid was on the edge of their seat, you mm -hmm. know, even kids who weren't, you know, immersed in biology, but seemed to just hang on every word that he was teaching us. And, um, and so that was when I kind of started like, oh, that might be like a really cool thing to do. Um, and then I had him the following year for chemistry, and um, it was kind of the same thing. Okay. I, just, I, I, I just enjoyed being in his class. Mm -hmm. And then my senior year, I took AP Bio with him, um, and I also was his lab aide during my study hall. So he basically gave me all the grunt work, you know, here, set this lab up, you know, go run these copies. Yeah. So I was doing all of his stuff while he sat back and 
drank coffee and actually <laughs> smoked cigarettes, which I don't How about that? Crazy. Back in not, the day. Not in his room, but there was a smoke lounge. Yep. Um, and when they'd open the door, like all the smoke would come flying out. So he smelled of a mix of coffee and cigarettes, which not a good combo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was phenomenal. Um, and so by my senior year, I was like, you know, I think I want to do this. I think okay. I want to teach biology. That's awesome. Yeah, I know it, it, the power of a teacher. I mean, it's one of the, the, the amazing things about our position, uh, our calling that we influence kids. I mean, when a kid comes up to me and tells me, you know what, I want to go into psychology or I want to be a history teacher or, you know, I want, I want to do this because of something I learned in your class. That's like our bonus check. Yes. It's, cool. it's one of the, uh, the beautiful things about what we, what we do. Uh, do you have a favorite memory as a teacher? <laughs> I have a funny memory. Well, we want to hear that. Share that funny memory with us. <laughs> Hopefully it's appropriate for this. It, all things are appropriate. <laughs> we like to say what, what is said in this room stays in this room. Except, except it's on a podcast. It's, it's on a podcast. <laughs> so this was back in the old building, and I can see the student. I know his first name was Will. I cannot remember what his last name was, so if he's listening by any chance, he'll remember this. He was a tall, <laughs> dark-haired kid, and we were dissecting. It was still... We took biology class and split it into bio one and bio two. And so all the dissecting is in bio two. But at that time, it was all still one class. So we were dissecting worms. <clears throat> and worms have these openings on them, mm -hmm. um, all worms, that they come together and they, um, they're hermaphrodites, so they have both sperm and egg. And so from those openings, they exchange sperm. Okay. So a student, not this Will kid, came up and asked what, the, um, what those openings were for. So I explained that to the student. Okay. And then at that moment, I remembered that the company sent us these little bags. Um, that you could put your worm in afterwards and tie it off so that the smell wasn't, you know, permeating yeah. through your room. So at that time, I thought about that and I wanted to remind the students, oh, hey, don't forget, there's these bags up here, you can put your worm in, whatever. So I get the class really, really quiet, <laughs> get everybody's attention, and I hold up the bags and I said, make sure when you're done, you put your sperm in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, did I really <laughs> just say this? And this Will kid, I'm not kidding you, fell on the floor. He's rolling around oh dying laughing. And I'm laughing and I'm embarrassed. And then I try to like correct myself and I say it again. Oh my gosh. Like, oh my gosh. I'm like, just forget it. Just forget it. <laughs> that's so that's so funny. That that is that is a classic. Uh, I, I can't it, it isn't it funny? Like there there are these moments where you're when you're teaching and when you're um when you're, you know, you're coming across content that you know that you could potentially screw up, oh, all and then the you time. start thinking about it, and then it's almost like you talk yourself into saying it. Oh, it um, was, it was not you, good. You just get and, and then I'm like, please, please do not go home and tell your parents that I told you to put sperm in this bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That, that's a great story, and we've heard some good ones. I like that one. That one is one of my favorite ones uh, to hear. So let me ask you, because um, we are kind of winding now. We have just a few minutes. We're gonna do a couple couple rapid fire questions with you and just the first thing that comes to mind we'd like you to ask and then we actually have a couple questions from our live audience okay so um, what's something about you that very few people know besides that story 
Well, I don't, I'm not sure if not many people know this, but you know, I, I sometimes share it in my classroom um, that my twins were not a, a natural conception. Okay. Um, we had a lot of trouble getting pregnant um, and ended up doing a procedure called in vitro. Um, where the eggs are removed from my body and they're fertilized outside of the body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, the girls, we ended up telling them at one point, and they're like, we were totally in a dish. I'm like, <laughs> yes, you were in a dish for a few days. Um, and then they're implanted back into my body. And we actually had three. Um, so we could have had triplets, okay. um, but one of them didn't make it. All so right. we ended up with the two girls. All right. Wow. And, and then, of course, Mason just... Miracle just came totally naturally, and <laughs> the doctor said you'll never get pregnant. So oh yeah, one of those, right? But five and years then, later, he, boom. he surprise. Came, yes. <laughs> we were surprised for sure. Oh, yes. so what is your most favorite book and why? You know, <laughs> I, I'm kind of a hopeless romantic, so um, I in the summer that's what I read. I read stories about families um, on vacation. I love the beach. So a lot of them are beachy family okay. type things, um, and they're not, you know, in you know, influential or anything like that. Mostly during the school year, I'm reading sciencey stuff, okay. which is yeah. completely boring. I know, but um, you know, you want to keep up on what's going on. What are they doing with DNA? What are they doing with you know, gene therapy and all those kind of things, so that you can share those things, you know, with your with your class. And yeah, I actually incorporated it into my course. Um, the kids do something called biology in the news, um, and so every kid has to present something that's going on right now that's related to um, to science, to yeah. biology, to cells, DNA, whatever. That's um, awesome. Yeah. You know, we, we talk a lot about, in, in psychology, we talk about like the recency effect and how so often these kids, um, they don't, they aren't exposed to something, but then once they are, then it starts popping up everywhere, mm -hmm. you know? And so you staying up to par with all that's going on in the world of science and biology, and then sharing it with your students and sharing it with us, it's like, and then you start to see it. Right. And, and it helps kind of put the picture together. There's so much to be learned. I, I wish I would have paid way more attention uh, in my biology class, uh, I do remember dissecting the cast, cat, the cat, and that—that's about it. But um, well, I, t I tell the students too. You know, you you may not be interested in photosynthesis, for example, and probably won't use it again in your life. But you may run into a family member or yourself that you know has diabetes or has cancer or you know has genetic disorders or something, and it's it's good for you to have a base. To kind of understand where those things have come from so mm -hmm. that when you're talking with doctors you're not yep. you know completely ignorant of what they're saying um, not that you're going to be taking a test per se but at least you have some base knowledge of oh i kind of understand that mm -hmm. i'm able to ask some questions maybe because um, it's going to touch you at some point sure. some biology related thing will touch your life so you know speaking of biology and, and speaking of like things affecting us you know, COVID has been extremely difficult on all of us. Do you, do you have like a coping method or a coping strategy? I mean, how are you dealing with COVID at this time? At this point, I'm, I'm just trying to make it. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, is, um, it is a scary time um, for some. Um, the mass majority of us are, are not going to die from COVID but we do understand that you could spread it to somebody that could. 
so if you're wearing your mask you're distancing from people you're washing your hands that's the best we can do but i'm also i'm not somebody who's going to stay in my house scared to death and not live because i could get hit by a car tomorrow and die and if i hadn't you know maybe if i didn't leave my house i wouldn't be hit by a car but you know you could get anything um and so if you don't experience it something i saw something on facebook the other day that said you know if you don't meet with your relatives over christmas you don't celebrate you might not have another one with a loved one a grandma a grandparent you know something um and you kind of think about that well could we do it safely you know could you could you take the, all those measures so that you can see grandma or grandpa because maybe next next Christmas they won't be here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of our attitude. Um, you know, we, we go out, we do the things that we're supposed to do in terms of guidelines, but um, I guess I just don't, I don't live in that fear per se. Yeah, you know, it, it certainly brings to mind the frailty of life yes. and uh, how you need to maximize every moment because sure. uh, we talk about here, you know, like, I'll tell them all the time, you know, life is like uh, like a vapor, you know, here today and gone tomorrow, right? And and you don't know, so you have to maximize each day. Uh, and you need to invest in those relationships. You have to. You know, I was reflecting last night, you know, I had I was blessed to have family members come watch my daughter's last game. Um, but, you know, as we were walking out, I was distracted by the outcome of the game and distracted by this, and I didn't give the appropriate goodbye to my family members. And so this morning while I was reflecting, I'm like, you know what, I don't know. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And so when you have those special moments, you really gotta, you gotta embrace them and you've gotta, you gotta take advantage of them. So, well, the unfortunate thing is we only have about two minutes here uh, before things um, change rather drastically here in the building and we are alarmed okay. by, uh, by a, uh, by a bell, but I'm gonna open up. Uh, we have two audience members who have questions. So you, uh, so you wanna hustle up here, remove your mask real quick and ask it in the microphone, go ahead. Um, so what got you into running? I was good at it. <laughs> I, I, I grew up with boys. We, we were on a cul-de-sac and I had boys that were on my cul-de-sac and we were always doing sports and I was always racing them and I always beat them. Um, and so it's kind of good to do something that you're yeah. good at. Um, and so I knew pretty quickly that I, I, that I was fast. I like that girl power. Yes. I like it. And by the way, that question came from Brennan Murray. <laughs> our, next, our next guest. Um, what are some things that you learned in college, like life lessons? Time management. Um, you really have to plan um, especially if you have, all, I mean, I, I ran track, I had classes, you know, if, if, if you want to get to your goal, you need to make sure that you can time manage and plan and, and be able to accomplish that end goal. But make sure you have some fun along the way too. <laughs> well, speaking of time management, we are literally 30 seconds away from the bell ringing and then a whole plethora of students running excitedly into this class to do their presentation. And I'm gonna run excitedly so, with Brennan down to my room. <laughs> but I wanna tell you, I wanna tell you that um, we very much appreciate you being a guest. I appreciate you as a colleague and I appreciate how you continuously pour into our kids and you bring value to their life. And you are an incredible member of this team. Thank you. And you are one of the many reasons that makes Talmadge High School the best school in the world. Am I right? Yeah. Do I get a clap, right? 
Brian? Mrs. Lewis, thank you so very much for spending your planning period with us. And listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of Between Two Blue Devils. Again, remember to share this out. Let other people hear the incredible story of the one and the only Mrs. Amy Lewis. Thank you. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed our interview today. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. And also feel free to follow me on Instagram at at Mr. Horner, the teacher, or on Twitter at THS Mr. Underscore Horner for podcast updates, blog updates, and more information about our guests. If you liked what you heard, I would appreciate if you give us a review and share the episode. Help me get the message out about how incredible our community is and how awesome our teachers are. If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to past interviews. There are a lot of amazing people that we've had the privilege of interviewing. Until next time, go Blue Devils.